what we want to do is, is kind of let go of, you know, the great, the self, this incredible egoic self-awareness that we have is really useful. It's a great thing. It's, look what it's done for the world. It's amazing. And it's kind of got us in its grips, and we, we need for it to let go. So some, at some point when we're meditating, um, you know, because this gets all, I, I, this is what I do. I just give you, I just say everything in the first night, but whatever. Um, at some point I'm going to say, you have to stop thinking of yourself as being the one meditating. You aren't meditating. Right, and and then I and then I'll instruct you to let your avatar meditate. Like, so so you 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 turn your ego into like an avatar in a game, and you you let it do the meditation. And then while it's busy meditating, doing whatever it thinks meditation is, you can just be, because you don't have to be limited by that anymore. But you can leave it there, sitting on the ground. It just it just sit. It'll sit and meditate for you, and then you can just expand beyond it. And you don't have to be in it anymore. That's the the key: is to not be in it. You just it can be. It is on our side. It's very helpful for all kinds of things, and we don't want to lose it. But we also don't want to be limited by it. So we want to find a way to let it sit. And that can be a really fun meditation. Well, we'll do it at some point where you let your avatar do the meditation, and then you just be. So, of course, it's a trick for just meditating, but it's all a trick. So I kind of wanted to say something about the end game as at least as I see it. This is kind of a full disclosure. And then I want us to sit. Um, you know, what's the point of doing all this? You know, it's all already here. You, know, you, you very quickly get to the what's the point. And this kind of teaching can lead people to become very nihilistic. It does happen. You know, have you heard of an Indian teacher named J. Krishnamurti? And you've heard of an Indian teacher named U.G. Krishnamurti? Maybe, maybe not. I used to get them confused all the time, but it's, it's almost like one is the evil twin of the other. But that's too strong. Yuji's not really evil, but he was very nihilistic. So, and interestingly enough, he grew up in a the- theosophical household, and J. Krishnamurti was going to be the great world teacher of theosophy. And when they announced this, you know, this big, big gathering in India on his 16th birthday to like declare him the world teacher and thousands of people came and he gave a famous speech which essentially said truth is a pathless land and I'm not going to be your world teacher and everyone was like whoa that didn't work out because <laughs> they'd been training him since he was three to be the world teacher and then when he was had his big moment he said okay this is I'm not doing this um, and somehow Yuji his parents were really big into Jay Krishnamurti. They had pictures of him all over the house. And so it became, a little Yuji, his nemesis was Jay Krishnamurti. Uh, and then he had a powerful enlightenment experience, but he would say things like, if you knew what enlightenment was, you would be running from me, you know, and, and all kinds of other things that made it sound like the last thing you'd ever want. But part of it is because 
it can it can come to a place where it feels a bit nihilistic. You know, give up your fantasies. So it's only going to be this. You know, it makes you wonder why you're doing it. Because all of that, what you have to realize over the course of the weekend, like just keep this in mind. We, to a very dramatic degree, see things from the perspective of the separate sense of self. Right? So I'm seeing from the perspective of Jeff that was born on March 16, 1964, and will die at some as yet undisclosed moment in the future, right? Well, this body will drop. And so I'm tending to see everything from that point of view. And so from that, that point of view has fantasies about what the big self is going to be, right? And those fantasies have to be let go of because they're, they're severely limited by the perspective of this little self, The big self that we have the fantasies about is the source of our consciousness. It's what's seeing through these eyes right now, right? It was seeing before this body appeared. It didn't come into being when this body was born. Just this body was born and then it had something to see through, right? But it was already here. And What's seeing through my eyes is exactly the same thing that's seeing through all of your eyes. It's the same consciousness. It's the same being. That's the big self. The big self isn't a bigger version of me. The big self is that which is animating everything. It, it, it can't have an identity because there's nothing beyond it. It's, you know, in, in Hindu terms, they say one without a second. There's no other. So you can't really hold any concept of it. Right? You, you can't hold a concept of something in a non-dual context, in a one without a second context. So imagine that everything in the world, this is a, just another metaphor, everything in the world was this, exactly the same uh, shade of blue. And this is the world you grew up in. You could not possibly have a concept for, the, for, for blue as opposed to some other color because you don't have another color to compare it to. Now, you, could, you would end up with different distinctions maybe of shading, but you, you couldn't know blue was a color versus, say, red, yellow, or orange because those didn't exist. So in the same way, the self that is all, you can't know it as a self because there's nothing that's not it. Right? And that's why it kind of blows all your circuitry. That's the, the non-dual teachings, they'll just blow your mind because there's because we our minds are are completely dualistic tools that compare things. And when there's a non-dual reality, there's no comparison, so there's no possibility of distinguishing. So the only way that you can approach it is through not knowing, which is what we're so There's a completely different perspective from the, the consciousness behind it all, right? Now, it may appear that I came this weekend to teach meditation to 25 or however many people are in here, and, and that I'm teaching you how to liberate yourselves. But that's not what I see myself doing. So this is the full disclosure part. 
I see that I'm here to teach to the consciousness behind all of you to try to encourage it to liberate itself from you. You see, you're not the one that's going to be free in the end. That's, this is the big fantasy that needs to be dropped. This is not about liberating individuals to their higher self. This is about liberating the higher self from the constraints of the individual. Right? It's a completely different point of view. So, <clears throat> we often, I'm just going like right to the deep end for some reason. Um, often the metaphor that we use for awakening is the metaphor of waking up from the dream. And we all, have you heard that metaphor, right? And what we tend to do is we identify with the one who's going to wake up from the dream. But we're not the one that's going to wake up from the dream. We're the dream that the big self is going to wake up from. And it's going to go, oh my god, I thought I was Jeff. How ridiculous. I was here at the start of the universe and before then. And I thought, how did I cram myself into this little teeny being that was born on March 16th, 1964? What a ridiculous place for me to get stuck. Um, and what's going to happen to Jeff? There's just going to be a moment of recognizing that Jeff doesn't exist and he never did exist. And the habit of assuming Jeff exists can continue, but that doesn't mean he exists, right? The habit goes on, but the reality is gone. The, the, there is no... In, from an absolute sense, there is no Jeff that wasn't here before his birthday. Right? If there is a Jeff, then, there's, then the whole universe is one Jeff. That's the horrible possibility. And then we're all Jeff, right? But we're just all one. That's what we say. The, the traditions will say we're all one. And we hear that, and it sounds right. But the reality of it is actually kind of mind-blowing that we are all one. So when we're meditating here, I'm giving instructions to the one consciousness and I'm saying, that is Jeff, or Edward, all the, it could be Jeff, could be Edward, could be who, it's all of us. And I'm trying to help it, I'm trying, and it's trying to help itself, I'm not doing anything, I'm just like this vehicle that its mouth opens and stuff comes out. And how do I know where, where, where it's coming from? Uh, oh my God, there's too much to share. Um, So there's a compulsion to help the universal consciousness let go of the habit of identifying with an individual so that it can be free. And then it can be free to start living our lives unhampered by the limitations of the separate sense of self. That's what this is about. This was never about us being free. This was always about the divine being free. This was about the universal energies that are getting distorted through the limitations of the sense of self. They're not distorted by the sense of self. The sense of self is going to be an incredibly valuable tool in the hands of God. It's much less valuable in the hands of the small self. In fact, as we can see by looking at the planet, it can wreak a lot of damage uh, because the, this, the perspective of the small self is not quite big enough to handle 
the amount of power we have over something as big as a planet. Uh, but there is, a, there is a consciousness big enough to handle that if we will allow it to hold sway. We have these experiences all the time. We don't, often don't recognize them. And of course, in, in Hindu terms, which we'll get into at some point this weekend, we have a big experience of it every day when we fall into dreamless sleep. Right? And every night, dreamless sleep, we go into the all. Of course, we forget ourselves completely, but then we come back. Um, but you know, this is the fascinating thing. Oh my God, it's all too interesting. What we perceive is dramatically shaped by what we all believe together, right? So if, if you saw like a Martian sitting in the tree over there and it was clear as a bell to you, it's like, oh my God, and it was like the real deal, big head Martian and he was just sitting in the tree and he had the suit on and the, maybe a bubble mask or whatever they have, right? And it was like, for sure, the real deal over there in that tree. And then you said, oh my God, there's a Martian in the tree. And nobody else saw it. You know, for a while you'd hold your own, but eventually you'd be like, okay, I'm just going to shut up about this because they're all starting to look at me like I'm really weird. Then you'd shut up about it. And a couple of days later, you wouldn't be able to see it anymore. That's how it works. And that's how it works with our spiritual experiences. Because we learn not to talk about them because they're not accepted. And so we, we sort of go, okay, I'm going to let that go. And then eventually we don't even realize we're... I actually think we're constantly having an experience of the big self. But we're just, we've just tuned it out because it's not safe here for it. So part of why it's valuable to have community in a way that I know many of you do is because it becomes a place where it's safe to have your experience be your experience and not have to mitigate it so that it's socially acceptable. So yes, you know, so I was talking about two perspectives. There's the perspective of the small self, and that has a perspective. You know, we, Edward and I were talking about this at the break briefly. That's the part that gets scared when, when it starts to forget itself. The big self doesn't get scared because it doesn't remember you anyway. It's, it doesn't care about the, the small self. So that if, ideally, as I'm teaching and I'm trying and this is where language is difficult, and, and that consciousness that is all is attempting to bring more of itself into the room by liberating itself from all of our habits of seeing ourselves as being the doer, for instance, uh, you can embrace, when you're meditating, you, most of us are going to start by meditating as a small self meditating. I, Jeff, am sitting down for my 20 minutes in my lotus posture doing my meditation. And that's, and that's kind of how your meditation can go indefinitely if, if that's what you choose. You just be a person meditating. There's limits to how far meditation can go if you're going to insist on being a person meditating. So at some point, you have to just surrender to the meditation that's already happening. 
And then you just, there is no Jeff meditating anymore. And you let Jeff do whatever he wants. Then Jeff's the avatar. Let Jeff do what he wants. That's the, then let, do whatever you want in meditation. It doesn't matter. It's just your avatar doing stuff. Oh, I'm going to be really busy doing my meditation. Look at me. Mm, I'm really doing it so hard. Oh, who cares what that's doing? Just let it happen. And then you're, you're just a consciousness that far extends beyond all of that imagined effort that's taking place. So if you want to do a shortcut for yourself, you just slip right into the meditation that's always happening. And whatever the avatar is doing, you just let it do it. It doesn't matter what it's doing. It doesn't matter how stuck it thinks it is, how unenlightened it thinks it is. It's irrelevant. It's, just, it's like a little unenlightened thought that's like just buzzing around like a bee. I'm not enlightened. I'm not enlightened. But if, as long as you don't think the I that that thought is talking about is you, then who cares? Just let it go on. I'm not enlightened. I'm not enlightened. This isn't working. You can't do this. This is da, da, da. whatever it wants to say. As long as you don't identify with being the one saying all that, then it's just a little buzzing bee buzzing around. 